Open your Bibles. In fact, the message today is about community, and it's really, uh, if you've been with us for our series, if you're new with us, you can, uh, you can catch up on any of our messages online. They're online for you to watch for free there. You can stream them, download them, whatever you like. Uh, but we did start talking about Thessalonians last week. Uh, we're actually going through uh, Thessalonians uh, both one and two, and so uh, today we're, we're going to be in chapters three and four. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, that's where we're going to be today. Uh, but as we talk about community, last week we shared about how Paul, uh, how important it is to have godly counsel. And we saw that Paul really is not only an apostle of the church, but also uh, counsel when he was an apostle to the, Th- the church of Thessalonica. He planted this church. It's his second missionary journey. He w- uh, so he, on his way, he planted this church in Thessalonians. This was one of the places that God had given him a heart to plant a church. And he planted this church. And then Paul moved on to Corinth. And so he's actually writing this letter from Corinth or Athens or in that area, and he's sending that to uh, Thessalonica. It's really hard for us to understand writing a letter, all right, and sending it to someone. Uh, we just don't do that very often anymore. Uh, we text or we post or we send a message, a PM on Facebook and those kind of things. But in Paul's day, none of that was available, so he did what he knew it was best, and that was writing a hand letter, encouraging the church, sometimes correcting the church, uh, you know, whatever God was... Uh, leading him to do, he would put that in a letter, and then uh, there wasn't like the postal service like we have today either, so he'd have to send some of his disciples to take that letter to the church and make sure that that was delivered and then also return uh, from the church to Paul, and so that's a lot of what we see here in Thessalonians, but today I want you to see how much community meant to Paul, how much it means to us. You know, I, um, I've been leading uh, this church for uh, about seven years, but I've been part of this church uh, for my whole Christian life, uh, 20 years, I've been part of this church. I got saved in this church. I met the Lord here. I grew in my faith here. I, I left for a short stint to go to Dallas uh, to plant a church there with a mentor of mine. So speaking of godly counsel, this was someone that really fed into me. And uh, we really felt also the elders here at the church at that time knew that that's where we needed to go for a season. I did not know that God would call me back here, uh, but I honestly have had dreams and visions about this church way 15 years ago. And, uh, and couldn't think of leading another church except for this one. And so, uh, so miraculously, God brought us back together. And uh, this has always been my church family. And so I, I would always, even in Texas, when I lived in Dallas, I would say, I'm going home. <laughs> this is always home. It's my spiritual home. It's my family. And so uh, it's so much, community means so much. Uh, to the body of Christ. And so for many people, depending on your perspective, your experience, sometimes uh, maybe you've been to church and maybe you've got hurt in church. So a lot of times people view church as something to do, uh, make them feel better or check a box. And, uh, and that's not what God has intended or desired for church to be. It's not our intentions at all. I understand that we're all at different places uh, and maybe that's where you are today. Uh, but I want you to know that Jesus what he promised in John 10, 10, this abundant life that he promised uh, is real. It's something that you can, uh, you can understand and see, and it's knowable, it's understandable, and it's livable. And so it's, he didn't give us something that we couldn't obtain. It's something that we can. And, uh, and he gave us not only himself, the community of the Holy Spirit to live with us, but he also gave us each other. He gave us a community of believers, of brothers and sisters. And I know you're a fallen person and I'm a fallen person. I think maybe I'm more fallen than you, but we all have sinned. We've all fallen short of God and we're all gonna make mistakes from time to time. We're not, uh, we're not Christ himself. Jesus was perfect. He never sinned. He never made a mistake. Uh, but we on time to time, uh, not purposely and not intentionally, most, uh, for hopefully for most cases, but we, we will mess up from time to time. But we are the body of Christ. Um, you know, how many of you have uh, been doing something in life with your own physical bodies and made a mistake and got a broken bone 
or leg or uh, a colored eye or any of those things, right? We've made mistakes personally, but those things heal and those things are usable again. Uh, prayerfully, those things are, are restored. Uh, regardless if they're restored here, they'll be restored in heaven. So either way, you're going to be restored fully to the way God designed you. But, uh, but I just want you to know that the church is a healthy body, and it's, it's something that God has made, and he's made purposely, intentionally. He's the head over the church, but he's also made the church to be in an amazing community where you can sharpen one another. The Bible says iron sharpens iron. And what he's speaking about there is our lives can sharpen one another. That as followers of Christ, we can sharpen one another. We can be there for one another. It doesn't mean that we're always right, but our intentions and our desires when we're seeking God is that we are there for one another. And when we we rub lives together, it makes us better. It makes us stronger. It makes us sharper. Uh, Just like if you were sharpening something with steel, uh, you have to to go against something uh, to make it sharper. And so that's really what Paul's talking about. In fact, he says, church, uh, you know, last week we talked about how much the church needed Paul, how much the church needed his counsel, how much the church really needed his input and his, his wisdom and his understanding. And they really needed that. But today, as we look at chapter three, you're going to see the reverse is true as well. Paul needed the church. Paul needed the church of Thessalonica. He needed all the churches, but he also, he needed to see the testimony and what God was doing in the church. And it was so important to him. In fact, uh, I kind of want to open up this message and really, uh, really I've, I've entitled this, uh, this message Community Through Faith and really what faith does and how it really, uh, really sharpens us and makes us stronger and makes us better. A lot of times people don't see church that way. But I promise you, I promise you, this is the way God designed church. Church is a, it's a blast. It is fun. It has its moments. Sure, it does. But at the end of the day, we're serving an amazing God that has an amazing plan, and he's using you and me to fulfill the kingdom of God right here on earth. Everything that he has in his arsenal, which by the way, he owns it all, so it's all his arsenal, is there for us on heaven. And that's his promise to us that everything in heaven is going to be used, not by the world. The world can't use, the world can't have, the world doesn't have the... uh, Uh, really the authority to use what the inheritance and the resources that God has, but the church does. And it really is an amazing life that we have uh, in Christ, but also with one another. I love the church. I love that uh, we're doing life together. I actually like that we're imperfect. I actually like that sometimes we make mistakes because the reality is, is our world today, the, the, the real world, when you look out in our world today, outside of the church, outside of Christ, They don't know how to deal with problems. In fact, relationships are breaking down one by one. Marriages are breaking down one by one. Governments are breaking down one by one. Why? Because we don't know how to work together. We don't understand unity anymore. And I'm so thankful that we have a God who's united. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united. They're not arm wrestling each other, not fighting. They're not pulling straws to see who's right. They're totally in unity. And that unity can be found in the relationship we have with him. And that unity, by the way, can be found in the church. And that's what this is all about. And here's where Paul is. And I I think this speaks to many of us. Paul says this in chapter 3, verse 1. Look at this. Here's what he says. He opens up chapter 3 with these words. He says, therefore... When we, because it was more, there was other people there. When we could no longer endure it, we thought it good to be left in Athens alone. What do you think Paul's saying? When, when I, he said, look, I can no longer endure this. The apostle Paul. I mean, if you think about Paul, this is the man that wrote 80% of the New Testament. 
This is the guy that wrote most of what you read in the New Testament. And he's saying, look, I can no longer endure this. This is painstaking. This is terrible. And it wasn't that Paul was sinning or doing things that were uh, atrocious or it wasn't that, that he was being uh, possessed by the enemy and doing things that were inappropriate. Here's a man of God that is actually planting churches all over the world. He's actually walking with Christ and he has tribulations. Here's what I love about the Bible. I love that the Bible doesn't just record the good. And by the way, this is the good news. This is the gospel. But it also records people that have struggles. The Bible is never an error, but people can be an error. And the Bible records those lives that sometimes make errors or they make sin or they sin or they make mistakes in their lives. The Bible records that. And I'm so thankful for it. Why? Because Paul is just like us. Sure, he is an important man in the kingdom. He did some phenomenal things, and we have the scriptures because God told Paul and God inspired him to write them for us. And I'm thankful he did that. But you know what? He's a man just like us. And there's men and women in the Bible that we look at, and sometimes we put them on a pedestal. But you need to see that they're just like us. Paul had moments in his life, just like we're reading in Thessalonians, where he said, look, I can't endure this anymore. Has anybody had a moment in their life where they said, this is too much. I can't handle it anymore. God, what are you doing? I'm frustrated. I don't understand. I don't get it. I don't understand why I'm going through this. I don't understand whatever the experience is. Look, I think many of us have had them, haven't you? You've had these moments. Paul's saying, look, I'm having this moment right now, and I, I'm, I'm at the breaking point. I'm at a place where I just can't endure this anymore. I'm done. This is the Apostle Paul. Yet his language sounds like our language sometimes, doesn't it? Look, I'm encouraged because as a believer, and if you're here today and you haven't received Jesus, I just want you to know that God loves you. He's not mad at you. Maybe you're sitting here today like I was 20 years ago thinking, man, they're just, they're judging me. Or that pastor, he knows. He knows. I don't know how he knows, but he knows. I don't know. I promise you. But God knows. And Jesus died for you. And Jesus made a way for every single one of us in this room not only in this room, but outside this room and all over the world. I'm so thankful that we have a God that understands. A God that not only, uh, you know, we, sometimes we think that Jesus couldn't understand what we're going through. But if you really, if you just stop for a second and look at what Jesus went through, he can relate to you. The Bible says that he's experienced every sin and temptation. He's, he's, he's experienced everything that you've been through so he can relate to you. We have a God that's not disconnected. We have a God that, does, that can't understand, but we have a God that does understand and does know. And he chooses to love. I love that song we just sang, How He Loves Us, and we don't sing it often, but there's times when you just gotta bring it back. He loves you. And if you're here today and you just don't feel that love, sometimes your feelings aren't always right. I say sometimes, many times your feelings aren't always right. And here we have the Apostle Paul saying, man, I, I can't endure this anymore. I can't do it. And if you're that, at that point in your life, I just want to encourage you, this message is for you. 
And Paul gives us some great principles. He gives us some great understanding. Uh, and he, here's where, where he is. He begins to say this, and look at uh, verse 3 of the same chapter. He says this. He's speaking again. He's writing this letter to the church. He's writing this letter to the Thessalonians. He says that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we have, a, we have been appointed to this. For in fact, we told you that before we were with you, that we would suffer tribulation just as it happened, and you know. You know that's what we told you. We know we told you that being a believer doesn't mean that everything's going to be hunky-dory, that you're going to live a perfect life. But the reality is, because you're a believer, you will walk through tribulation. Because we have an enemy that hates God, and we have an enemy that hates the church, and we have an enemy that hates that you have a relationship with God. So there's going to be moments where he's trying to get you off track. You're going to have moments where it almost feels like you can't endure this anymore. But Paul says, look, this is where I am. I'm frustrated. I'm tired. And look, he's, he's sharing the gospel. He's planting churches. And at the same time, he's being thrown in prison. He's being beaten. He's being afflicted. He's, there's being lies spread about him. They're saying things that aren't true. And Paul's saying, this is ridiculous. This is unbelievable. Does it sound like the culture we live in today? Absolutely. Look, the enemy hates the Bible. We're not fighting against people. We're fighting against somebody that chose, by the way. The enemy himself chose. He was with God. He was in the presence of God. And he chose to say, I want to be like you. And I'll do everything in my power to let people worship me like they worship you. That's his plan. And Paul's in this place where he's just feeling the pressure. He's feeling the persecution. He's feeling it. And watch this. And maybe this will help you because it helped me. But I want you to think about this. Paul wasn't always a follower of Christ. Like me, he came to Christ later in his life. I came to Christ uh, in my 20s. Paul came to life, Christ later in his life. In fact, Paul was a leader of the religious institutions. He was one of the leaders of the Pharisees and Sadducees. In fact, Paul was, Paul was the guy that made the, made the call to have Stephen stoned. He was, he was the guy that made the call. He was the one persecuting the church. He was the one making miserable. In fact, a decree, you can read it in Acts, a decree went out from Paul's leadership that said, Find them and jail them. Find them and persecute them. Find them and manipulate and pressure them to, to denounce Christ. Find them and make it difficult for them. That's what Paul used to do. Have you ever thought about this? Your life before Christ and your life after Christ. So Paul was that guy. He has a moment with Christ in Damascus where he receives the Lord. He gives his life to Jesus. He, he begins to understand and he knew the Old Testament really well. He was a Jew, by the way. He was leading the Jewish synagogues. He was leading the Jewish leaders at that time. He understood the Bible, but he didn't see the Bible through the Messiah. He didn't see the Messiah through Christ. In fact, he hated Christ. He hated the church. But then all of a sudden, he meets Jesus and everything changes. Then he sees, he sees all the Old Testament. Everything he knew changed. Because he began to see it through Christ, through the Messiah, and see it through God's perspective. And everything changed for him. And now he went from a persecutor of the church to becoming the church, to becoming a church planter. Think about this. Paul, knowing his background, knowing the way he used to be, now he's living for Christ 
but he's standing in, the front, in front of the same people that he was. You ever thought about this? Sometimes, well, I, I think all of us could put ourselves in the same scenario. Whoever you were before, Jesus is going to take you, save you, make you new. And then he's going to grow you and disciple you and mature you. And then he's going to put you back into that same situation. But this time, this time, you're going to have a kingdom perspective. This time you can help those. Do you think Paul didn't understand the way the, the government was ruling, the way they were using their power, the way they were manipulating, the way they were calling out uh, false lies and decrees? Do you think he didn't understand that? He was that guy. There's not a better person in the world to put in that situation than Paul because that's who he was. But through Christ, now, now he can stand for, he can stand for God. He can stand for the church. And I just want to encourage you, sometimes when you're enduring something, when you're going through something, you're just one step away from God doing something powerful. You're one decision away. You're one moment away from just being faithful in Christ. Look, I understand there's pressure. I understand we don't like it. I understand that it doesn't feel good, does it? But what if Paul stopped? What if he quit? What if he gave up? We probably wouldn't be sitting here. And that's my encouragement to you. Don't give up. Don't quit, Paul. Paul stood his ground. He stood his faith. In fact, he did something. He did something. Now watch this because this will help you. Paul not only is being afflicted and he's being persecuted and, he, and he's enduring it. He's at, his last, he's at his last thread. He's at his last straw. But look at what he says in, here in the next few verses. Look at verse 5. He said, for this reason, verse 5, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. He sent a letter to the church to know their faith. Lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Look at what Paul is saying. Look, my head's going crazy right now. You know, when you're, when you're being pressured and you're being tempted and when you're going through something where you can't endure it anymore, what does your head do? It's a little nutty, isn't it? Come on, be honest. It's a little nutty. We believe some stuff that's not even true. We make hypothetical situations in our mind that have never happened, don't we? I've sat with people. I've been one of those people. I've sat with people and I've been one of those people where when, it, when the pressure's on and when you're feeling like you can't endure it anymore, you begin to think thoughts that are just crazy. You begin to think things. Now, maybe, uh, probably, I'd say most of the time, the thought comes from the enemy. So what's the enemy saying to Paul? Paul, all that you work you did was in vain. And that's what Paul's saying. He's like, look, possibly, maybe even the tempters come to you, Church of Thessalonica. Maybe the tempters come to you in your life and everything that we imparted into, every work that we've done, everything we've done, may, maybe possibly it's in vain. This is what's going on in Paul's head. Yet what does the word of God say? What does the word of God say? My word will never return void. It will always, it has purpose and plan to accomplish what I sent it to do. Yet Paul's saying in his mind, look, possibly the, the enemy's tempting you and he's too strong. Possibly everything we've done has been in vain. That's what he's saying in his head. He said, I'm not sure, so I need to send out a letter. I need to figure this out. I, I bet you Paul is looking down on us and going, well, I wish I had FaceTime. I wish I could have just Skyped in real quick. 
had a quick conversation. So look, maybe you're in that place where you're like, I can't endure this anymore. This has been a long time. It's been a season. It's been a decade. Maybe it's just been a long year for you. Maybe those same words in a different way have come out and you've just been where Paul is. I want to show you what Paul did that I think many of us, and he's showing you the value of community. Here's here's what he said in that verse. He said, for this reason, when I could no longer do it, I sent to know your faith. Look at what Paul did there. This is the difference between how God can encourage you and lift you up out of the pit or how you can stay in the pit. Paul said, I I couldn't endure this. For this reason, I couldn't endure it. For this reason, my head's going a little wacky. For this reason, I'm thinking thoughts that I don't know if they're true or not, but I need to figure it out. And so he sent Timothy and he sent some disciples. He said, look, go to the church of Thessalonica and find out if this is true. Because my head says that possibly the tempter came and everything we've done is is void. So I'm not real sure. So Timothy, go. Go and figure it out. What if... If you're going through this, maybe you're at a hard spot. What if you turn to those that worship Jesus just like you did? What if you turn to them and said, look, I need sharpened right now. I'm a little dull. I'm feeling a little lost. I'm feeling like God's not there with me right now. I'm feeling like he doesn't hear my prayers. I'm feeling like God's a million miles away. Heck, I feel like God doesn't even love me anymore. You know, because this is what happens when our head goes wacky, doesn't it? None of those things are true. None of those things are what the Word of God says. But our head and our flesh, because the Bible says, Paul said it actually in Romans. He said, my flesh says this and my spirit says this. And this is what happens, especially when you can't endure, when the pressure's on and the tribulations are happening and the trials are coming. This is what happens. Your flesh says this, but the spirit and the Word of God says this. So what do you do with that? Well, Paul said, you know what? I'm getting my brothers and sisters involved. I'm going to lean on the church. I'm going to lean on the community. And he sent out Timothy and the disciples. And here's what happened. The amazing thing happened. And I, I just encourage you, if you're in that spot, and I understand some of you have had experiences, some of you have had pain, some of you have had trials, and, and some of them have happened in the church. And I, look, I understand that. Look, God's not asking you to jump into a, a relationship that you don't know and you don't know their heart, you don't understand that. But what I'm telling you is, is get connected, get involved. Start to grow in that community. Start to grow in that relationship. Start to see that you have long-term relationships that will be with you when it's good and when it's bad. Start to see that the church, a healthy church, this church, West Church, I believe God has many people that will come around you and pick you up when you're down. They'll high five you when you're on the mountaintop. And when you're in the valley, they're gonna say, hey, keep going, buddy. Keep going. Because the same God is with you on the mountaintop that's, in you, that's with you when you're in the valley as well. And when you're in the middle, the same God is with you. I certainly love the mountaintop moments, don't you? And sometimes the valley moments can get a little difficult, can't they? but I love that we need one another, that we sharpen one another. Look, get connected, get involved. I understand Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. I've said this last week as well. I love gathering together. I love these moments. This is so encouraging to me. I need this. Look, I'm not checking off boxes. This is life to me. This is encouraging to me. And I hope that's the same for you as well. I need you and you need me and we all need Jesus. 
And I love that every time we get together, we're encouraged, we're lifted up, we're pointing our focus where it should be, and that's on Christ, and we're here together. But I certainly understand that you're probably not going to have a 10-hour conversation, not that it has to be 10 hours, you're not going to have a conversation with somebody, most likely, sometimes it happens. I understand there's a lot of people here, there's a lot going on. Some of you think that you're not a people person or you're, maybe this scares you. Look, I get it. So get into a family that will be around you for the long haul. Get connected. Get into a life group. Get into a community group where you can just love on each other. You can share. And look, I know that you're not going to come in and open up and say, here's my life. Well, maybe some of you do because I have some people in my group. They'll just tell you in a minute. And I love that because I'm not that way, but, but I love that because it encourages me. Because I, I always grew up, you don't share your feelings. I always grew up like you just don't talk about things. You don't share about your problems. You just bury them inside. And then someday they'll explode. Then you deal with that. And then you bury some more. Anybody else like that? So when I meet somebody, especially a guy that's just like, blah, I'm like, ah. <laughs> but I actually like it, but I don't like it. That's the fun thing about community. Look, we're all different. We all have different passions. We all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different experiences. But you know what I found to be true? There's a lot of times I've said this, maybe you've said this, nobody understands. I'm all alone. I'm on this island that nobody can understand, but it's not true. Because if you get connected to a family, if you get connected into a community, you realize as you start sharing, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been through that. Now, it's not the same experience most of the time. But they've had a similar situation with the same root, the same problem or trial or the same maybe even sin. That same root is there, different experience, but the same problem is there. The same sin exists. The same trial or tribulation is there. And so many times you'll be sharing and be like, wow, wow. It's not just me. Look, and I'm not trying to promote my group because it's full anyway. You can't come. I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but it's fun. It was fun for me. I used to go to a, I used to go to a life group when I got saved. I, I went to a life group and, and the pastor was there. And that was a little intimidating at first. But you know what was really cool is when I was in that group with the pastor, really he struggled with that too? The Apostle Paul struggled with that too? Really? Yes, really. And Paul said, look, you will never understand the power of faith and love. Here's what he says in verse, uh, and that's my second point. Look at 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 6 and 7. He says, but now, so he just got off his rant and he said, look, my head's in crazy places. I need to find out. So I sent to know your faith is what he said. So verse 6, but now that Timothy has come to us from you. So Timothy went and he came back and he brought us good news of your faith and of your love and that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also to see you. Look, this is what healthy community does, but I can't wait. I can't wait to see you again. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for Sundays. I hope you feel that way. I can't wait to gather together. I can't wait for life group. I can't wait to be around some of you. I I just love your fellowship. I love that you're my family. In fact, when I would say in Texas, I'm going home, what I'm saying is I'm going home to my church family. This is what I miss Dallas. What do I miss about Dallas? My church family. Did I like Dallas? No, not really, but I love my church family. It's too hot for me. 
but I love my church family. I learned a lot. I grew a lot. There were some fire hose moments in Dallas that I'll, I can, I'll probably never have that kind of wisdom again, but God used that community, that family, that, those, those people around me that matured me greatly. I needed them. And Paul's saying, look, I, I need your faith right now. I can't wait till we're together, but I need to hear what God's doing in your life. And look what he says in verse 8 and 10 of the same chapter. He says, it gives us new life. Listen to this. It gives us new life to know that you're standing firm in the Lord. How we thank God for you because of you. Listen to the words. Because of you, we have great joy. Now, here's the guy that's saying, I can't endure this anymore. But he gets a report back. He hears what God's doing. In fact, he's at a place where the hypotheticals in his head are saying, they're possibly deceived. Everything we've done is in vain. Now he's saying, look, we give, thank, we give thanks for you. Because of you, we have great joy. We have entered God's presence. Listen, sometimes when you're in the pit, to have someone come alongside you and just share their faith, share their testimony, share their story, it takes you out of the pit and it lifts you right back up and it puts your focus right back where it should be. And Paul's saying, I thank God for you because I was at the bottom. I, was, I couldn't endure this anymore. But when Timothy came back and shared the good report, shared all the faith and the love that you had, not only for me, but for all the people in Macedonia, it encouraged me. It picked me up. It lifted me up. It put my focus right where it needs to be. He says, night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. This is what healthy community does. Look, I'm always thinking about you. I don't know everything that's going on in your life, and you don't know everything that's going on in my life. But at the end of the day, I want what's best for you. And I know that best is found in Christ, but I also know that best is in doing life together as his church. That we're doing kingdom purpose. Look, what we do, and it's not about work, so please hear me. Don't take me out of the wrong, and don't, please don't edit this down to make it sound like it's works. But good works comes out of a healthy relationship with Christ. It happens. You don't have to try. It's who you are. And there's nothing better than doing life together and seeing the fruit of the kingdom just explode out of all of our lives. I love hearing your stories. I love hearing your testimonies. I love out in the lobby, and we say this in a, in a, as in a staff meeting, sometimes we joke around because you know, you know, people will say stuff to us in the lobby. Like a lot of people will say stuff, and I'll be like, I can't remember it all. I just need to record every conversation. Like who said that? And who said that? But, but it's encouraging to me to know that God's using you, that God's answering your prayers, that God is, is doing great things. And you know what? Sometimes when you're in the pit, you just need to hear that we have a God that cares not just about you, but he cares about every single believer and the whole world that lived, that is living, and that will live. God loves us all so much that he hears all of our prayers at the same time. I don't know how he does it, but he can hear my prayer and your prayer at the same time and answer faithfully and correctly at the right time for both of us. Now multiply that by billions of people. He's way bigger than me. And he's way bigger than you. How does he do that and he's never been wrong? How does he do that and he always answers correctly? And how does he do that and he always answers in the right time? Now in the flesh we may say it's not the right time, but in his timing is perfect. We have a great God. And it encourages me greatly. Look, whenever, uh, sometimes I remember... I remember when I was immature in my faith, somebody would say, God, answer my prayer, yay! And they'd have a rally moment, and they'd be all excited, and I'd be like, punk. Because <laughs> he didn't answer my prayer. <laughs> you know, so I'd be a little jealous, right? 
he doesn't love me because he answers your prayer, right? And we live this world of comparing our faith with other people. Look, but it's so fun when you start to understand God's going to answer my prayer. He's going to answer your prayer. He hasn't forgotten your name. He knows where you are. He knows that you're in the I can't endure this moment and he's going to show up and he's going to give you exactly what you need. And he loves you. And Paul says, I'm so thankful for my church community. I'm so thankful for the church of Thessalonica. I'm so thankful for what God's doing. It really changed things for me. It transformed me. Listen to this. I put this on the screen, and this would be good for you. One thing we can do to overcome our mind, because when our mind goes crazy, this is how you overcome it. Honest conversations with the head, which is Jesus, and the body, which is the church. Honest conversations with Jesus. Look, be honest with the Lord. Tell him what you're struggling with. There's nothing new under the sun, by the way. Just talk to him. And find some people that you love, that you can share life together, that you can trust, and you can really just lean on. And see that God won't transform your mind and begin to renew and begin to pick you up out of those hard moments. See that you won't be sharpened. I just want you to know that God will only, he only uses relationships to mature you. A relationship with him and a relationship with one another. That's how he grows you. That's how he's going to bring people in your life to unite. And that's why Paul says, man, I, I love this power of faith and Christ, and love for one another. I love serving Christ together. I love that we do this together. Even when we're apart, I know that we're still united in the kingdom plan and the kingdom purpose. Even when tribulation and trial, and when it's just, when it's coming down really hard on me, I love that we're doing this together. I love that I can reach out to you when I need you, and when you need me, you can reach out to me. I love that we're, we're connected, and we're, we're the body of Christ. You know, I, I love that Jesus has put that in the scripture, that the church is like a body. It's like your physical body. If you want to walk from here to there, you need legs. And people that don't have legs, they figure it out, and they can still walk. They have faith. They, they begin to trust. They begin to walk. And they begin to understand that, that there's a God that's bigger than me. I love that our body, just look at it from a whole, I know there's analogies that break down, but just look at your body. You need all these parts to function and work properly. If one little thing is not in order or not right, you feel it. It affects you. You don't feel well. You feel down. If you stub your toe because you're walking at night and you don't turn the light on and it, it hurts your toe and for the next day you're limping around because of a little toe. Now relate that to you that says, ah, I can't do anything for Christ. I'm just a little, I just have a little bit of faith. Look, when that little toe hurts, we all hurt. When that little toe is doing well, we're all doing well. You have a valuable part of this body. You have a valuable part of this kingdom. You have a valuable part, not only to me as your pastor, but to Jesus Christ as a Lord and Savior. We are all walking as Paul's walking together. And finally, Paul says, I want you to increase and abound. Increase and abound. I want you to, I want you to keep, keep increasing. Look at how many times Paul said this. Starting in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 12, he says, And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. Look at verse Chapter 4, verse 1, finally, my brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us, how you ought to walk and please God. Then the next verse, verse 10, look at this. He says, 
And indeed, you do so towards all the brethren in Macedonia. But we urge you, brethren, that you increase more and more, that you keep increasing, that you keep inbounding, that you keep more and more growing in your faith, maturing. What if every time you came to church, that was the message you heard? Not, are they going to judge me? What if you heard this from every person that you meet in your life groups or as you come and you're hanging out in the lobby or you're sitting here today? What if every time you came to church and said, hey, my heart for you is to increase and abound in Christ, that God wants to give you favor, that God wants to bless you, that he wants your marriage to grow, that he wants your kids, not, you, not your kids to, to go off and waffle, that they're gonna be strong followers of Christ, that they're not gonna leave or forsake, that God's with you, that he wants to increase and abound and abound. He doesn't hate you. He's not mad at you. He's not trying to strike you dead. He's for you. He's not against you. He wants you to increase, keep abounding, keep growing more and more. And is that how you view your faith? Every time you wake up, every time you attend a service and you come to worship Jesus together with the body, with your family, is that what you think? God, I want to increase today. I want to abound more and more. God, I want to be more like you. I want me to decrease and you to increase more and more, God. That's what I want. Look, I know I'm not perfect. I know I make mistakes. And when I do, God, I'm sorry but I want to keep increasing. And not only are you saying that to yourself, but you're hearing that from your brothers and sisters. Brother, I'm praying you increase. I'm praying you abound more and more of God for you. I believe God is doing something great in your life. I love you. I'm here for you. That's the church. And Paul says, look, there's just a couple things. If you want to keep increasing, you want to keep abounding. And these aren't like ritualistic or legalistic things. He says, look, the world around you is going to scream a different message. Everything you see will be different from what God wants for you. It's going to be a different. Here's what he says. Beware of common worldly practices. And he says this. He goes, I want you to increase more and more. I want you to abound. But beware of these few things. Beware of the passion of lust, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4 or 5. Beware of the passion of lust. Do you not see that all around? Everywhere you look, everything you listen to, everything you watch, everything you look at. That's what the world is putting out there. They're selling the message of Sin. And Paul says, beware, don't give in to it. He says, look, don't take advantage or defraud your brothers and sisters. Do not take advantage or defraud, he says in verse six. That's a pretty good principle, isn't it? I don't think any of us intentionally want to defraud or steal from one another. So he says, look, this is just something to avoid. It's happened in the world, though, isn't it? Defrauding, stealing. He also says, don't compromise. Don't give in to perversion. Look, these are just good practices. And look, I know you see it every day. Just watch the news. I don't even think you give one good thing anymore. Right? Passion of lust, advantage of defrauding, compromise and perversion. Do me a favor when you get home today, watch 10 minutes of TV and write down what you see. Write it down. I don't care if it's a commercial. I don't care if it's Disney. And you're going to see, look, this is what Paul's saying. Look, avoid what the world is selling you because it's not what God's selling you. So then he gives you, hey, here's some good practices Here's some good things. Aspire for these things. If you want to increase and abound, here's some good, simple, I, I promise you this is so easy for us. And Paul says this in Thessalonians, verse, uh, chapter four, verse nine, 11, and 12. Just take these home and study them and read them tonight. 
Here's what he says. Love one another. And Paul says, don't love one another because I told you. You love one another because that's what God told you to do. Love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbor or love others like you love yourself. He says, if you'll love one another, if you'll learn how to love one another, you'll increase and you'll abound. More and more, you'll keep abounding, you'll keep increasing. And then he says, lead a quiet life. I love that. Verse 11, he says, lead a quiet life. It doesn't mean that you let people walk all over you. That's not what it's saying. But you know what it is saying? It's not about our voice all the time. It's not about our egos and our pride and getting our message out there. Look, you just be a humble man and woman of character and integrity and live your life quietly but boldly. God will increase and abound you. He'll keep blessing you. I love this one. Mind your own business. How many of us need that? Mind your own business. No gossip. Let's not gossip, especially about other brothers and sisters. There should not be gossip in the church, but good Lord, how much do you know about it? There's a lot of gossip in the church. Let's stop. This will not be a church where we gossip about one another. If you've got a problem with a brother or sister, go to the brother or sister. So if you want to increase and abound, you love one another, you lead a quiet life, mind your own business. Here's the fourth one, verse 11. Work with your own hands. Work hard. Use your gifts and talents that God's given to you. Use them, yes, in your job or wherever you are because God's blessed you with that. But use your gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. Use them to bless Jesus. Use them for one another. I love that. If we put all of our gifts and talents, we could conquer the world for Christ. If the church would just use what God's given to us, what he's blessed us with, if we would just put all that together and use it in unity, and unity for him and unity for us, we could conquer the world, I believe, in probably a week. God has blessed us. Let's use our hands. Let's work hard for the kingdom. Look, we're going to work hard, as Colossians says, right? I'm not working for man. I'm going to work as I'm working unto Christ. So you work hard with the gifts that God's given to you. And you'll be a blessing to everyone that you touch. You love one another. You lead a quiet life. You mind your own business. You work hard. You work diligent. And finally, you be an example. Be an example. Look, we don't need any more people that will speak it and not do it. Well, let's be an, and Paul knows all about it. For, a man to, for him to say that, that's a big deal. Because he was the one that was saying, love one another. And then he was killing Christians. Well, he knew the greatest commandment. By the way, that didn't come with just Jesus. You can read it in the law. It was in Deuteronomy. The first 10 commandments are all about loving God and loving others. But yet he's persecuting and killing people. So for Paul to sit here and say, look, I messed it up. But if you want to increase and you want to abound, you love one another, you live a quiet life, you work with your hands, you mind your own business, and you be a godly example to everyone that you come in contact with. I promise you, if you'll do these five simple things, you'll increase, you'll abound, you'll be a blessing, and you'll advance the kingdom in ways that you've never even thought or imagined. And that's what Paul says. Man, next week is going to be off the hook next week. Because we're going to be talking about the second coming of Christ. How many of you guys want to know about that? Well, if Jesus doesn't come, we can talk about it. But if he comes this week, we're going to know all the answers, aren't we? But next week, we're going to talk about the second coming of Christ. And so I'm excited to talk about that and mention that. But I'll have the worship team come forward. Would you mind? Let's stand to your feet. Let's pray together.
Let's unite our hearts together. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We're thankful your word never returns void. Now, Lord, if there's anyone in this place that maybe they're where Paul was or maybe where, maybe right now, that's where they are. I just can't endure this anymore. I'm struggling. Lord, I just pray they would hear your voice. Lord, I pray they'd hear your heart, that your heart is for them to increase and abound, not to give up, not to quit. Lord, that you have more for them, that this situation will pass. This trial, this tribulation will go away. And God, you have a plan and a purpose to bless them, not to harm them, but to prosper them. And right here, right now, you're speaking to them. So Lord, if there's anyone in that place right now, I just, Holy Spirit, would you just let them know that you love them, you haven't forgotten about them, you're right here right now, that the Word of God says that your God isn't a million miles away. God, you said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You're right here. In fact, the temple of the Holy Spirit is no longer a building. It's you. As a Christ follower, the Holy Spirit is in you. He's right here. He's not a million miles away. He's actually inside of you. Right there, listening, loving. The Bible says he's interceding constantly on your behalf. So if you're going through a hard time right now and you just need the Lord to help you, would you just lift your hand right now? Look, I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you. Put it up there. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of, anyone else? I can't endure this any longer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I can't endure this anymore. Thank you. If you're here this morning and you need to receive Christ, you haven't received Jesus. You don't know what this abundant life is. You have no idea what it's about. You've never received it. If you want to receive Christ, can you just lift up your hand real quick? I won't embarrass you. Just stick it up there. Jesus, I need Jesus, thank you. I need Jesus right now, right here. Look, just do me a favor. It's not about raising your hand. It's about you confessing with your own mouth, saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm repenting. Forgive me of my sins, but I'm making you Lord of my life right here, right now. Today, it changes. Right now, in 2019, I will be a follower of Christ. I will walk, Lord. I will obey. I will follow your word. I will listen. God, I, I may not be perfect, and all of my steps, but I, my desire is to follow you at all times. And if that's you, I just want you to say that in your own words. There's no special words that I can say. There's no special hand that I can put on you. All I can say is if, if you mean it in your heart, you're saved right now. Right now. Jesus, I love you. We thank you. Lord, thank you for dying for every one of us. Thank you for making a way for every one of us. Thank you that you have called us to a holy life and it's something that we can live. It's not unattainable. It is possible because of you. We can live for you. We can point people to you. We can be an example to our families, to our coworkers, to our kids. Lord, we can be an example to other churches, Lord, that we can lift each other up. I'm not competing with these churches down the way. I'm with these churches. We're united for the gospel. We're united for the kingdom. Lord, transform Imperial. Transform Coriopolis. Transform Moon. Transform Hookstown. Transform Clinton. Transform every city that we walk on for the glory of your name, for your kingdom. Lord, we just pray for greater favor, greater understanding, greater conversations. Lord, wherever you've placed us, we'll be faithful 
we'll be faithful to talk about the good news, the gospel that saved us. Lord, we'll be, we'll be like Paul, Lord, if there's trial or tribulation or if there's a hard time because we're following you, God, we're going to stay faithful. We're going to remain. Lord, we're going to live. We're going to love one another. We're going to live a quiet life. We're going to mind our own business. We're going to work hard with the talents and gifts that you've given to us. And Jesus will be an example to every life that's in front of us. In the mighty name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. We want to pray for you. And during this worship song, if you need prayer, you can come forward. So all the teams, you can come forward. We want to pray for you. If you need encouragement, you need lifted up, you're in that I can't endure it anymore. Look, this is a time to pray. Join your hearts with someone else's. Let's start to pray together. And if you need prayer for healing or sickness, if you just want to tell someone a, a praise report, remember, it, it encourages all of us. Look, tell them a testimony, whatever it may be. But come and give us praise or a prayer, whatever you need. This is the time. So during this worship song, you can come forward for prayer. You're not interrupting. Come on forward. Or if you want to worship for a minute and you want to come up later, that's fine too. But don't leave without prayer. That's our, that's our cornerstone. That's our foundation. Let's pray and agree and be united in our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, we love you.